Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast. I'm your host, Elena Fox. Hey guys, I hope you're doing really well in this moment in time and that whenever and wherever you happen to be on this Calypso and Calliope inspired cosmic merry-go-round you find yourself on. (laughs) I hope that you are able to unhook yourself from past events and past people, relationships and situations, issues, if you like, and problems that you have come to associate with the normal day-to-day things in your life. Now, what I am talking about is when you say, for example, go to a restaurant and you think, oh, look here, they've got steak tartare. I don't know what the hell that is, but maybe you do. Maybe it's your favorite dish. I don't know what you eat, (laughs) but you love the steak tartare and you think, hey, I really, really want this steak tartare and then it comes and then you have a couple bites and you suddenly start thinking about the ex ex boyfriend ex friend ex wife whatever it is and suddenly halfway through the steak tartare you you find this knot this pit in your stomach that did not feel like you were awaiting delicious steak tartare but no 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 it reminds you of that bitter divorce and how dare he take your car that you paid for, or my God, I can't believe she said that to me or whatever. Now, sometimes you're completely over the person. Sometimes you're completely over the situation and it's coming up, but it's not coming up because you're not over it. Sometimes, you know, you eat the steak tartare and you have an emotional reaction to it and your stomach starts to hurt and you think about that person and you just go, huh, that's weird. I feel sick (laughs) because I'm thinking about this person, this jerk who screwed up my life for a, a number of months, maybe, maybe even a number of years, but I'm over it. Why am I thinking about this person? And now my stomach is hurting. That's weird. I am actually over them. And now I'm thinking about them because, oh no, that's why I haven't had steak tartare in years. It's because that was the dinner in which they proposed, or that was what we ate on our first night living in our apartment together or whatever. Right? So... Or maybe that was our every Friday night dinner. Maybe that's what we ate. So you have to understand that even if you're completely over the person, you're over the circumstance, it derailed your life. Sure. For one, two, six months tops, maybe seven months, but you're over it. That was years ago. And now you can't eat this particular meal. And you have to learn how to unhook yourself from that memory that is associated with that person and the series of events that they caused. 
or the series of events that you caused in, in relationship to that person, whether you were the dumpy or the dumper, it was just a loaded dump <laughs> either way. And now you're like, oh man, I can never enjoy a decent steak tartare <laughs> or whatever it is. I mean, I don't even know what the hell that is. Honestly, I like a good steak. The tartare part yeah, just sounded funny to say, <laughs> you know, for me, it'd be like lobster or something. Maybe, I don't know, <laughs> but and I have wonderful memories of lobster, actually. So there's there's several ways that you could go about um, erasing memories um, of your favorite meal. Like I had um, eaten uh, lobster the very first time with my parents, and I had a wonderful, you know, time with my mom and my stepdad and my little sister. We all ate lobster together in Malibu Beach, and had just a really fantastic time. So that was my very first memory, but I also had a lobster with, um, well, a guy that I dated like really shortly, temporarily, nothing, no drama there. He was an amazing, you know, guy. I was still a teenager. He was, he's very sweet person from Finland, actually very sweet person. And, uh, then I ended up, um, having a lobster with a boyfriend who ended up being kind of a dick. We were living together like six years or something. And he was kind of a jerk to me. Um, he left me for my best friend. They absolutely deserved each other. Um, (laughs) she never heard of the, the, the girl code or my own woman code, whatever. She never heard of that apparently, or she just didn't give a shit. Honestly, Um, it was like the challenge of taking my boyfriend away, you know, um, when it was all said and done, I actually thanked her. I said, well, you guys are both assholes and you deserve each other. And I'm glad that you did me a favor. So (laughs) bye-bye, but it took me a while, you know, it took me a minute to, um, figure that out, you know, and it hurt me and I didn't eat lobster for a long time, like a long time because the last person I'd eaten it with was this guy. Right. And I didn't really associate him with lobster. I mean, normally we ate hamburgers together. You know, we didn't eat really fancy very often, but I was just like, God, I don't know. I just don't think I want that anymore. (laughs) And I didn't for years and years and years. And then my beautiful children came along and all the stuff that went down with her dad, God rest his soul. He died of brain cancer. For those of you who are new to the show, um, he divorced me in a horrible, horrible, bitter divorce. Uh, I, we didn't know he had brain cancer. So one day just woke up, decided he hated my guts. And he told everybody around him that would listen, um, all these horrible things about me. I literally had to leave the town. It was a very bad thing. Lost a lot of friends because of him, you know, and then he died of brain cancer. So I was like, you know, I spent a good 18 months hating his guts for a while. And also at the same time, simultaneously still in love with him. It was very weird time for me. And then at the end of all that, nine months after the divorce was finalized, he he died of brain cancer. And my kids and I were like, oh, well, that 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 makes sense. Because that's not the guy I married. He was actually a very sweet person up until that point. So, you know all that shit went down and I ended up saying to the kids, well, you know what? We'll take your dad's retirement money that we were getting temporarily as death benefits, right? 
and let's go traveling. And so we traveled around and we found ourselves after a while, after like a year and a half on a beach in Mexico. And it was my, my oldest kid's birthday. And I said, you can have anything you want to eat. And she says, I want lobster on the beach. <laughs> oh, all right, let's go. Let's do it. It's your birthday. Bam. I erased that memory just like that. And now I can't even remember that steak lobster dinner with this other guy. I don't even remember where. Maybe it was Catalina Island. Maybe it was Santa Barbara. I honestly don't remember. Because I replaced the memory of the food and the meal with ordering lobsters in Mexico, which was fantastic. It was $75 for the three of us to eat. My son, I think, just had steak. He didn't want lobster. But my, my oldest kid and I, we had we had lobster and, um, it was incredible. Oh my God. It was really, really good. Um, it was, um, you order one and you get two extra. They're smaller lobsters. And, um, the, the, we had candlelight. We had our feet, like we took our, our shoes off. We had flip flops on, took them off, put our toes in the sand, watched the moonlight, over the water, ate the most incredible lobster. It was the the chef that made it was French from France. And he came and served us. We had a few words, you know, bon mot in French. And then we spoke in Spanish and we laughed about that. And then we uh, spoke in English and we were all just laughing and joking and having the best time in the world. And I haven't had lobster since actually, but now when I think about eating lobster, oh my God, that is the memory that comes up, right? So that's one way to undo it, right? So go through the same action. So like, say if you went to Disneyland with this person and now anytime anything about Disneyland comes up, you have this memory and you're just like, you know, now do yourself a favor, go to Disneyland with your best friend or grab your mom and dad or whoever in your life that's super special that has a lot of fun that you have a lot of fun with and take them to Disneyland and have the time of your life. And every time that comes up again, you're going to think, Oh, I'm so glad mom and dad and I made it. Um, for me, the last time I went to Disneyland was with my mom and it was, we ordered breakfast outside. It was a beautiful sunny day, which quickly turned cold and rainy and it rained on our breakfast. And and I kept saying, mom, do you want to go inside? And she said, no, because I don't think I'll ever have the opportunity again to sit at Disneyland with my daughter and my grandkids in the rain and eat breakfast. So this is delightful. God wants to rain on our breakfast and we're going to eat the rain. And we did. (laughs) It was such an incredible breakfast. We were eating scrambled eggs and, and, and toast with rain on it. And we were laughing and laughing. And it was such an incredible memory, you know. And had I gone to Disneyland before with exes? Sure. Like many of them, like four of them. But did it matter now when I think about Disneyland? No, I think about breakfast in the rain with my mom. I remember uh, telling the kids, no, you can't have cotton candy right now. And then I go to the bathroom and I come back and my kids are eating cotton candy that my mom had bought them. So, you know, stuff like that. And it just makes me laugh like, oh my gosh. And going 
on Pirates of the Caribbean ride, my favorite ride again and again and again and again, because my mom was in a, um, in one of those jazzy things. She was having a hard time with her hip and having a hard time walking. And so she rented one of those and we got in the front of the line, every single ride. So we kept going again and again and again. And it was so fun and so funny. And we're laughing our asses off because five or six times in a row, we had to go on that ride and we were singing at the top of our lungs and it was the best memory. And honestly, I can't really remember too many details from all the other times that I hit Disneyland because the last memory I have of it was going there with my, my birth mom and my kids. And we just had the best time eating gumbo out of bread bowls and going on the canoes and going over to Mark Twain's Island and all that. It was an incredible day, you know, and, and that's what I remember. I remember standing in line at space mountain, talking with my kids about star Trek and about all the different, um, sci-fi movies and TV shows that we liked all the different ones. And what are the, the similarities and the differences and just having such a great time. So that's one way is just to replace the memory with another most more incredible, amazing memory. Now there's another, a fun NLP trick I can tell you guys, and I don't talk too much about NLP, but I can tell you, I could walk you through it. If you were here with me, I'd have to charge you money, but if you do it yourself, you could do it alone (laughs) and it will be free. So if you, um, let's say you put your, um, uh, your left index finger on your knee and you pull up for yourself, the memory of whatever it is, the thing that is bugging you to something that you used to love, you used to enjoy. Maybe it's, uh, say wearing the color blue. You always wore the color blue and then you dated somebody and they always loved the color blue and had to mention it. They bought you blue things. Everything was about blue, this and blue that. And suddenly, you know, you break up and they're jerk. They cheated on you, whatever they did. And now you can't stand the color blue. Well, that's insane. You look incredible in blue, right? Whatever it is, whether it's a meal or a place or something, just a day-to-day mundane thing, put your, uh, your finger on your left index finger on your left knee and pull that up and think about how much you were hurt, how much this person did you wrong and how shitty they were to you. And also think about the color blue and wearing the color blue and all the outfits you can't wear now, because how dare this person ruin that for you? And it's okay. Pull up the anger, pull up the hurt, pull up the bullshit. It's okay. Cause we're going to get rid of it in two seconds flat. So come up with that and then stop touching your knee. And now you've associated touching your index finger (laughs) on your left hand side to your left knee, right? So we're going to erase that too. That's now that's where that memory is, is there on your knee, just resting there right there on your lap, right? (laughs) Don't worry. It's like a fickle cat. It'll be there only a few minutes and then it'll be gone. Then you take your right index finger and put it on your right knee and pull up the happiest, most joy filled moments of your life. Figure it out. 
whether it was the day you got a brand new puppy, maybe a dog you have now and how adorable that cute little smushy face. And you just want to talk in a little baby, baby voice. Like, Oh, I just love you so much. <laughs> maybe that's your memory. Something like that. Or the day you held your, your, your newborn daughter in your arms, the first moment you've ever had a kid and you're like, Oh man. <gasps> and your heart grew three sizes that day. Maybe that's the memory for you, or maybe you're young and you don't have kids and maybe you don't have animals, but maybe it was a day that, um, you, you were able to get a credit card for the first time or a business loan or something. And you felt like, yes, I'm adulting for the first time and I'm gonna have the business I wanted. And I'm, oh my God, my life is good. Or maybe it's the day you got the job you wanted or into college, or maybe it was your first day of college and you're like, yeah, what? I feel so powerful. I feel amazing. So whatever your happiest memory ever is, touch your right index finger to your right knee right now and keep, keep it there while you think of that beautiful, happy, amazing memory, something that was an incredible day for you or an incredible event or, um, you know, maybe when you held a baby kitten or whatever it is for you and, and, and keep that in your, and just think about how happy you were, how absolutely happy and thrilled about this thing you were. It might even be, you know, a memory of eating a chocolate cake or something like, oh man, that was a really good cake. And I really, you know, on that day, my coworker surprised me with the cake and usually the office cake is terrible, but my, my best friend at work, she's the one that ordered it. And oh my God, she knew what I wanted. She went and bought it for me. She was put in charge of the cake this year. Oh, it was really good. And it wasn't about the cake as much as how suddenly you felt like you're included and now you fit in and you clicked in and that was amazing, whatever it is. Okay. So I'm making all these scenarios up. Honestly, it, it just coming out of my head right now. just making crap up because you know, I'm a writer is <laughs> what I do, but okay. So keep your right index finger on your right knee and put your left index finger on your left knee exactly in the spot where you had the bad memory. And hold that for 30 seconds. Just don't think of anything. Look at the wall. <laughs> Watch the fan spin around. Watch your you know, dog chase its tail for a couple, about half a minute <laughs> or whatever. Okay. Now, with your right index finger on your right knee and your left index finger on your left knee, try to recall the bad memory. And chances are you can't. Because all you're thinking about is that excellent chocolate cake at the office party and how wonderful it felt to be a part of a team. Maybe that's the thing or the day you got into university or the day you held your baby kitten in your hands for the first time and she kitty kissed you and bit your hand a little. Oh, so cute. Whatever it is now forevermore, <clears throat> you have now unhooked those memories and replaced it the memory of the cat or the cake or the puppy. All right. Or the baby. And there you go. Now, if you go in, in, um, try to think about it, you're probably not going to be able to NLP is amazing. It works 
in two seconds flat, usually. I mean, like a minute, two minutes, all right. Two minutes of your life is ultimately worth it to feel completely better. Now you could go back and have that steak tartare, baby. (laughs) You might even associate it with getting your sweet little baby kitten or puppy or into university or starting your own business. And there you go. And um, let's see, there's another way you could do it. If you want to be very spiritual about it, you can ask Archangel Michael to help you. Archangel um, Michael can cut the ties, the energetic cords and ties between you and anyone in your past that you have already forgotten and let go of. And yet you're still like corded to them. By the way, anytime you have any kind of sexual relations with somebody, you are now tied to them for the next 10 years. Unless you do something about it, you can ask Archangel Michael to untie, unhook, cut with his magical sword, all of those connections. Another thing you can do is a little bit of witchcraft called egg magic. I've talked about this on the show before. You just take a, um, a raw egg still in the shell make sure it's still in the shell and you uh, go right before you take a shower or well probably shower is better for this and you start at the top of your head and you just run this egg over your entire aura and body and it will pick up and take off any residue from that person especially anywhere where they've touched yes even the most intimate places they may have touched and you know okay (laughs) whatever I don't know how they do it (laughs) but yeah those secret where your bathing suit touches you parts okay so you take your um, magical egg and you just run it over those parts and you imagine put the intention of getting rid of their yucky icky residue you don't want that shit on you anyway blah gross Get it out of there, right? And now this is the tricky part. You got to remember this. You don't want to keep this egg when you're done. In, in you got to do your whole, like your limbs, under your armpits, you know, your butt crack, anywhere this person might have touched, right? Bottoms of your feet, your toes, in between the toes, like everywhere. Don't drop the egg or you got to start over. Because <laughs> you'll dissipate the energy of this person into your house. Ugh, don't want to do that. I recommend doing this in the bathroom. You know, it's easy to clean up if you do drop the egg, but very careful, you know, when you do this. And then, uh, this is the tricky part. You don't want to just throw it away. You don't want to crack the egg and leave it in your house, but this is what you do. You, um, flush the toilet. And when you flush the toilet, you have to take that egg and slam it so that it does crack in half against the edge, not the outer edge, but the inside of the bowl where the water is now rushing away from you. It's rushing out of your house and you have to slam the egg against that where it will crack and swirl down the toilet and take all the residue and energy away from you forever. So that's it. That's how you get rid of somebody's residue and their bullshit that might be on you. Their stank, if you will. You don't want that on you. You really don't. Because when when you're tied to somebody and now what if they end up in jail or they end up 
you know, getting seriously injured or very sick or having a multitude of bad days because they're a negative person, it's all going to energetically like they're tied to you. And now you feel all of their crap. So you're having a wonderful day and all of a sudden you're having a really bad day and your bad day started the exact moment that they got into a car wreck or the day they got arrested or the, you know, when they got their ticket or whatever it is whatever bullshit drama they're going through, you're going to feel it in your body. You're going to feel it. And now you're going to have a bad day and you might end up having a, a ticket on the same day or something, you know, like bad things can happen when you're tied to other people. So if you are somebody who likes to uh, sleep around with a lot of different people, well, guess what, pal, you you have their energy, all their residue, even if it was a one night stand or a one hour encounter. It doesn't matter. It could have been a five minute wham, bam. Thank you, man. Thank you. It's over. (laughs) And now, oh crap, I'm tied to this asshole for the 10 next 10 years. So you want to definitely do this. You definitely want to get rid of anything that they're dragging you down with energetically. And this will also help you cut the ties for any exes that might have anything connected to you, any kind of a memory or anything. So, um, I'm going to have to work on this myself today. I've been thinking about it. I had a boyfriend that was a narcissist. He was kind of a a dick. (laughs) He was not a good person. He, um, I'm pretty sure cheated on me a lot. I never caught him. He never admitted it to me. In fact, he asked me if I cheated on him. Uh, it, after we had like a, we had like a weird, like post relationship debriefing. It was his idea. I don't know what the hell he's like. Well, I just want to know, you know what I did wrong and I'll tell you what you did wrong and what you can improve on. And you tell me what I can improve on and, we'll move forward from each other, but we'll still remain friends and you know, whatever. And he's trying to get a little something, something every now and again, anyway, after the relationship, I'm like, I don't look backwards, man. So that's not going to happen. He's like, Oh shit. Well, if it ever does, you know, let me know, whatever. And I think he's been trying to contact me in dreams. I have had so many dreams in which he's been super, super nice to me. And years after we broke up, he contacted me and threatened to tell one of my secrets to my husband. And it was a secret that my husband, everyone in my life knew this thing about me. It wasn't a secret, but he thought it was horribly scandalous. Oh my God. You know, (laughs) and it's something I mentioned about myself on the show, like years, you know, actually in the past year, I think I mentioned it. You know, it wasn't to me a big deal. And it was just like, so what, you know, I'm probably going to write a book about it actually, <laughs> you know, this experience that I had and he, um, Oh, I'm going to tell him about you and this thing that you did. And it's like, I don't give a shit. He already knows, right? Like I, what, who are you? Why are you like coming to like freaking contact me after years? He contacted me to tell me how he's married now and finally found a woman who's good enough. And I'm like, I don't really give a shit. (laughs) Good for you. Like I honestly, he wrote me, I deleted that email and I never looked back. I didn't even get back to him. I changed my email. (laughs) That's all I did. I'm like, whatever, dude, I don't even want to know you anymore, (laughs) but it's weird. I keep having these dreams of him 
and, and I had a dream last week about him and I had a dream, uh, like this morning about him and it was, I'm like, well, it must be a venting dream, you know, thinking about him, but it wasn't an ugly dream. It wasn't bad. There was like nothing there. I'm fully over him and it's been more than 10 years and I've done the egg trick ever, you know, like several times since I've last saw him, you know, so it wasn't that I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, I've resolved the issues, um, I had with his mom and, and, and I had, I resolved the issues like with him and the whole thing, his dad, you know, I had a weird little tiff once cause I didn't know how to hold a camera steady. And his dad was kind of a dick to me about that. And, um, it was just like kind of crazy, but, um, so anyway, uh, I was like, what the hell is this? And I realized, and this is like the weirdest thing. He and I used to take afternoon naps together every day of our relationship and listen to amazing jazz or African music or world beat music or whatever it was. And we would fall asleep to this amazing music, surround sound with a fan. We would get naked and lay because it was hot in California, really hot. And we didn't have any air conditioner. So we would um, put the um, fan directly. Ugh, my friend's trying to call me, Dag. Now it. Um, so we would put the fan directly on our bodies. Right. And, and we'd go back and forth. They would, you know, blow back and forth. And, um, and we just like lay there naked going, Oh my God, it's so hot. Holy crap. We put, we'd have like bags of ice on our heads or necks or like, uh, we had a spray bottle full of water. Just, I mean, all this stuff, just to anything to cool off. Right. We're like, we're dying of heat, <laughs> the heat wave here. And, um, and I mean, it was like kind of a funny memory. It was, a, it wasn't like necessarily, I guess it was a happy memory, like ish. It was just a thing that you did cause you're like hot. So sorry about that guys. Hopefully that won't happen again. Um, he'll get the hint with the word decline. You should know I'm filming my show right now. Anyway. Um, so we were doing this all the time and I never thought about it after the fact it's been 12, 13, 15 years. I don't even know 20 years. I it's, no, it's actually been like 25 years since I've seen this guy, right? He's nothing to me. He has zero anything to do with my life, right? And I'm like, why the hell am I dreaming about this guy again? And you guys, you know what? I bought a fan for my room <laughs> two weeks ago. And when I get hot in the morning, I kick the covers off and my legs are bare because I'm wearing shorty pajamas, right? And it's reminding me, it's a body memory of this jerk <laughs> being in this guy in a relationship with this guy and seeing him from the fan. Cause he would, you know, couldn't afford an air conditioner or whatever, like completely ridiculous. Right. I'm like, Oh my God. I mean, I took away some great things from the relationship. I'm not going to lie. He and I had amazing intellectual conversations. I learned about a drink called an Irish nut, which was, um, a Frangelico mixed with, uh, Bailey's, um, Irish cream half and half. If you ever want to try it, adding a bunch of ice to it. And, oh, it was my favorite drink. It really gets you drunk really fast. So you can only have it the most like two of them. Cause they're very sweet and they'll make you a little bit nauseated. But, um, if you have too much, 
I learned that the hard way, but it's an excellent drink. And so, and I've had those and it didn't make me dream about them at all. It was just like, I'm glad. And, and since I've drank those with other people and I've had other experiences, but now I'm having this fan thing where it's like, every time I I use the fan at night and I wake up and I'm having these stupid dreams of this guy, especially if I'm sleeping in the daytime, that was the other key to it. And especially if I have music playing on in the background and it's like, Oh my God. So I've got to figure out a way to unhick my memory from that. But that's what brought this up today. This, this idea, I'm like, Oh, I wonder if you guys are having this situation where you are healed. You are over relationships and people and events that took place and bad memories and bad things. And yet there's still this weird lingering, like either they're trying to mentally connect with you. Maybe they're trying to get in touch with you, or maybe it's just, um, a, a a physical body memory that you, ah, shit, I didn't like, I did the egg trick and that didn't work. So I think NLP will work for me with the one that, um, I'm going to have to do tonight when I stop this, when I stop the introduction, I'm going to do it and just see if I can, um, delete my memory of being in front of a fan with him. It's dumb because I've used fans before, right? And I should have a memory like of just cuddling with my cat in front of the fan, right? Cause that's what's happened in the past week or two. And I still have, have these weird dreams. So I'm going to have to unhook it using NLP and then I won't, and then I'll let you guys know if it worked for me, but this is what you need to do. If, uh, it's not even a part of being healed so much or dealing with the shadow side, but it might be reminding you of a, of a shadowy part of your life accidentally, just because your body kind of remembers it. And I've had like what four bodies since then, three bodies since then, you know, every seven years you got a brand new body. And it's like, ah, it's weird that that was a freaking weird carryover right? from body to body. I'm having this memory. So it's somehow in my brain lodged there that, you know, if I'm laying there with my legs bare and the fan is on me with music on during the day, you know, I think when the conditions are right, I'm still having dreams about this person. And the dreams are like, how come we're not friends anymore? He's asking me, how come we're not friends anymore? Why did you just go away like that? How come we don't talk anymore? Like I'm friends with all my exes. And I'm like, that's exactly right. That's why we're not together anymore. It's why I'm not talking to you anymore because you think of all the women in the world that you've dated are your harem. And I'm not a part of that shit. I was special and you, you blew it and it's over. It is what it is. You know, it's just, um, you know, you didn't honor and respect me at the time. So, Hey, you know, it is what it is. But, um, it's really, really weird that I just keep having these dreams. So if it's something else other than that, but I know that what brought it up was this fan. And sometimes it's going to be something outside of your own subconscious mind that brings up the shitty memories or the shitty person or event. Like, you know, you eat the steak tartare and all of a sudden you're sick. Like, oh man, it's something you hadn't even thought about in years. And now you got to deal with it. Oh my God. <laughs> so anyway, I hope this uh, portion of the show tonight has helped you. Um, for your listening pleasure, I wanted to let you know that tomorrow I do have a very special interview with a paranormal investigator. The one that was supposed to be on the show last week, 
we uh, got our wires crossed because it was Mercury retrograde. Now it's Mercury direct. Thank God. <laughs> we were finally able to get everything uh, sorted out. And I did already the interview with her yesterday. I mean, today we talked yesterday and then today we did the interview. So tomorrow it's going to be released early because you know, it's uh, half my, and my show's half done for tomorrow. That's why this show tonight is a little bit late getting out there, but, um, I just wanted to let you know that that will be the show for tomorrow. Uh, the paranormal investigator, um, from Canada and, She's going to give advice on how you can conduct your own paranormal research, uh, caveats, things to be aware of, things you don't want to mess around with, and um, tips and tricks for those of you that want to delve into ghost hunting or EVPs. And it's a fabulous interview. I think you're going to um, really get a lot out of it. And it's also a little bit of spooky, spooky energy coming up for Halloween. I thought that 10 days before Halloween, we should add a little scary spookiness. Um, you know, and her stories are a little, a little, uh, spooky. So we're going to uh, go ahead and do that for, uh, tomorrow's show. Now I wanted to, uh, hop over to spaceweather.com quickly. We'll do the knowledge Raven spell report. She is, um, getting better. She's had 14 doses of her medicine. In fact, tonight she asked me for her medicine again, and I told her it's not ready, you know, in in a couple hours yet you can have it. And she, she was like, okay, she was like ready. She's brave, you know, and she's been allowing me to hold her and give her the medicine, even though she gets really mad. She fights with me, but only one of our claws came out <laughs> out of one of her paws this ta- this last time she didn't have all four claws and all of her teeth gnashing against me so i think that's progress she knows that i'm doing it because i love her and i want to spend the next 20 or 30 years with her i want her to live a long time and be healthy and that's why i always give her healthy food today i, I made a little hamburger and gave her part of it without any salt or pepper or anything and she had that and then I in my part of course I added my condiments but she's doing really um, really well she has a nice cold nose and for those of you who have written me about her asking how she's doing I just wanted to do that quick follow-up knowledge Raven spell report she's got I would say 75% of her skin has grown back on that really nasty um, gash that another cat had given her um, about a week and a half ago and she's healing and I'm shocked I mean the swelling has gone down and it looks like like it looks like normal like her fur is already covering it so I think that's uh, that's progress I've never gone through something like this before it's really nasty and you can do it if you have an animal that ever gets hurt it's hard but you do for those that you love the things you never thought you would do and it's been challenging and I've just stayed with her because I I know she's I'm the only thing in her world right now <laughs> you know she doesn't have other cats and other birds and other lizards to play with and mice and whatnot she just has me and I know she's bored as hell but <laughs> being inside but she's been cuddling me a lot so she's kind of telling me look ma no hard feelings I know you give me the medicine you're doing what you got to do. It's okay. So she's coming up to me and letting me pet her. 
in between the medicine doses. So that was something I was super worried about that. Oh, she's never going to let me touch her again. (laughs) You know, so it's been, uh, it's been a challenge. My God, it's been a challenge, but I've been giving her medicine for about a week now. And, um, just three more days, she'll be finished on Saturday and then that will be it. It'll just be done. Thank you, God. (laughs) So anyway, I just wanted to let you guys know how the kitty cat was doing. So, all right. uh, When we go over uh, to spaceweather.com, this is what we find. The current solar wind speed is 535.5 kilometers per second. They don't mention it. I don't know why they don't mention it. I feel like we are receiving the solar wind energy right now. I really feel like we're receiving the solar wind and it's absolutely crazy that they don't mention it. I mean, they keep mentioning it and then, oh, we'll be here. And then, oh, we're just going to ignore the fact that it's maybe here. The solar wind speed looks to me like we're receiving it, but they're not saying anything about it. It's the damnedest thing. I don't know. Uh, so it is what it is. When I go down to the sun report, it says solar wind flowing from the Southern Corona hole could reach earth on the 20th to the 21st. So they still didn't mention it. That's right now. That's right now is when it should be reaching us. And they didn't mention it. So I'm assuming they, it's an oversight or maybe it'll reach us in the next hour. I hope to God they mention it tomorrow. <laughs> you know, it's just weird. I don't know why, but anyway, there is one of the most amazing pictures I've seen in a long time. Sprites at the feet of Orion. Paul Smith, who is an Oklahoma storm chaser, photographed a lot of sprites, in fact, hundreds since he began targeting the elusive bolts four years ago. Now you guys, a Sprite is like red lightning that goes on top of thunder clouds and they're called Sprites. They're not exactly lightning, but they're kind of like that. It's very, very interesting, but he timed it just so that he could capture the Sprites dancing at the feet of Orion. And so when you look at this picture, you'll see Orion's belt. Imagine where Orion's feet are (laughs) based on his belt. And you're going to see all these little sprites dancing around. It looks like a little fairy ring almost. Uh, This is a brilliant picture. I love it. The more I look at it, the more I like it. I love looking at the constellation of Orion. I have for a very long time always wanted to look at it. I'm actually living two different lives up there now on two different planets I'm aware that my soul is somehow living several lifetimes at once. This multidimensionality stuff is no joke. Anyway, he says, this is something I've wanted to photograph for a long time. It's tricky because the severe storms, which create the sprites tend to occur in spring and summer. And this shot though is only really available in the fall, of course, because of the placement of Orion in the early morning sky. So he, he was able to put it all together. He stayed out to the wee hours of the morning, but he did it. And 
I'm serious, spaceweather.com if you want to go check that out. So the ULU neutron counts today are 8.6% of the space age average coming down the pike from ULU Finland and the university and the team researchers there. Um, it's had in the past 48 hour change, a 0.2% increase in the neutron, um, the neutrons, which is a part of the radiation coming towards our planet at any given moment. So I don't know. I mean, so we have more of that and the, and the wind speed has picked up and yet the solar winds haven't reached us uh, yet, supposedly. So I don't know what to think about it. Hopefully tomorrow we'll have some news on that. According to the All Sky Fireball Network and NASA's All Sky Cameras, they did uh, report seeing 17 fireballs above the United States. 14 were sporadic, two were Orionids, one was Southern Taurid. It's funny that they said a couple days ago that today would be the, the ultimate day to see these um from the orionids however it seems like you know yesterday was the best day to see them so i don't know anyway you might still get catch a couple if you go outside and in the wee hours you still might see some meteors and make sure that you wish on those falling stars all right according to disclosurenews.it coming out of italy uh, Schumann residence was only 10. <laughs> so pss, not a whole lot going on there. And as far as the heart math Institute is concerned, sorry, this data is temporarily unavailable. Well, dag nabbit, better luck next time. And I hope that is tomorrow. Anyway, I'm going to take a quick break guys. And when I come back, I will be channeling brother Yeshua for you tonight so i don't know what he's going to talk about we're going to find out right after this short break guys i've been making episodes of metaphysical soul speak the podcast for a while now and many of you have contacted me wondering just how you can support me and my podcast well i have two solutions for this question number one is to become a listener supporter in which you go to the anchor app locate my channel and sign up anywhere from 99 cents to nine dollars and 99 cents monthly and you can stop anytime or number two is to make a one-time donation of any amount via zelle bank to bank or through paypal using my email mermaidgirl888 at gmail.com also located in the show description now with this option you aren't uh obligated monthly in any way and you're also not limited thank you all so much in advance for your support Let's keep metaphysical soul speak on the air and onward and upward to the fifth dimension together, guys. Thank you.
All right, guys. So I am here with Brother Yeshua. He is here. Um, I guess I don't know. Astral projected or consciousness projected to me. Usually, my channeling is uh, indirect via telepathy. So wherever the person is in the universe, I can converse with them. But uh, Yeshua is right here in front of me. Sometimes. Um, well, he comes to me sometimes, uh, Ashtar Sherhan, he will like also sometimes, uh, astral project. He'll, he'll take a nap and come here and he's with me, with me. And I feel him in the room and brother Yeshua, um, does this a lot. Also, he will be here in the room with me, even though I cannot see him with my physical eyes, I can feel him and talk to him. And sometimes he'll touch me and give me some healing energy. It's pretty awesome. So anyway, he's here with me now. Um, he just told me, imagine I'm in front of you and I am just, um, going to, you know, talk directly through you. And he, although he doesn't take over my body, that's why I said I'm an indirect channel. Um, direct channelers do take, um, you know, they, push their soul aside and let another spirit come and you utilize their body. Um, I don't do that. I'm kind of attached to this body a little bit freaked out <laughs> about the prospect of that, but brother Yeshua and I go, well, back at least 2000 years. <laughs> I knew him in that life when he was Jesus and he, um, was like my cousin. He called me little sister I felt like he was my big brother, but we were from different families, but we were related. We were like cousins. And of course I wasn't mentioned in the Bible, but I was there, (laughs) um, many times at his lectures and I've had memories of it and I feel really uh, grateful to have been a part of it back then. And so we're pretty close. Um, I talked to him about anything and everything. So, um, it's been, um, a pretty fun life so far being able to talk to him since I was maybe eight years old. Come here, come here, come on up here. Nala Dravenspell wants to be a part of it. She always loves when I channel brother Yeshua. Hey, you want to say hi to the people? Hi, what you doing girl? She is feeling a lot better. Come here, honey. Are you massaging my pillow? Was, was my pillow's back hurt? I have a back. You could, she's massaging the pillow. (laughs) Hi, honey. Hi. You want to say hi to the people? Oh, she's she's uh, rubbing herself on the tablet. She's she's loving the people. <laughs> That's you. She's giving you guys her her love. Sometimes she wants to participate in the show. Yeah, come on, baby girl. That's all. It's all right. Come on. I'm I'm just gonna channel Jesus. Now she's going to. Um, it's weird. She never sniffs the bed and she's sniffing the bed where Jesus said he's sitting. So this is pretty interesting. Hey, do you see brother Yeshua? He's with us. Yeah. Yeshua, he's here. I don't know if you guys can hear her. She, yeah. What's up? You want to say meow again? Say hello. Hello. Hi. Yeah. I think she's also trying to remind me it's time for medicine. Not for several hours yet, my darling. Yeah, you don't need medicine for a while. We could be good friends, good pals. There it is. 
We don't have to do the horrible medicine dance that we do. Mwah. Thanks for the kiss. Oh, she's being super affectionate. I might have to hold the baby for a minute. All right, guys, so I held the baby. Now she's giving herself a bath. <laughs> right in front of me. It's hilarious. I touch her and pet her fur, and then she bathes herself immediately after. I can't help but feel slightly insulted. <laughs> is this a, is this a little bit of a commentary on my hygiene? You know my hands are clean, girl. Her tail is getting mad because I'm talking again. I think she came to... Now she's attacking me. Hey, relax a little. Relax, it's all good. I'm not going to touch her fur. She wants to stay with me, and that's pretty cool. All right, so I am connected to Brother Yeshua, and um, during the five minutes I was petting my cat instead of uh, doing the show, (laughs) I... um, I was talking to Brother Yeshua about it. I'm like, it's funny. She always comes to me when I'm channeling you. And he said, let the little kitties come to me. Aw. I thought that was really sweet that he said that. So, okay. So now my cat is with her Aries rising and Gemini moon astrology staring at my hand like she can't wait to attack me. Whereas minutes ago she was absolutely in love with me. So hopefully nothing will happen. I'll keep my hand to myself. (laughs) And far away from her angry gaze. Are you mad at me? Okay, no, she's fine. (laughs) Don't look at me. Don't look at my hand. Don't get mad. We're trying to do something here. It's a show, knowledge. Hey. You want to say hello? No, okay, now she she's now purposely looking away from me like I don't exist. <laughs> Aw, okay. All right, so here we go. I'm going to just take a couple of breaths to tune into the energy of Brother Yeshua. And away we go. Okay, you may begin transmission now. Hello, greetings, and salutations. I am Yeshua, and many of you, or most of you, have heard of me as Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, or Jesus the Christ. I am all of the above and yet not the man that most of you grew up thinking you knew a lot of stories about me have been slightly misconstrued the miracles did and do exist that were able to come through me I traveled around. I never disappeared. There were never lost years. There were just years in which I was called by other names in other lands when I went traveling to spend my um, life, basically. Um, I wanted to see the people 
in various places and see how they would react to my message. I felt that I could do a great deal of good, a great amount of good. If I just told them to hold off on judging others, understand that everyone is created equal in the eyes of God, my father in heaven and yours. And I came bearing a great deal of knowledge as well. I wanted everybody to not only see me as a knowledgeable person that can conduct miracles, but also as an example for how to be in the world. I wanted the world to know what everyone is capable of and how special each of you, even as individuals are to God, the creator of all mankind. I have since continued my life since the last you've technically heard of me in the Bible in my supposed death and then resurrection and then my ascension moment. And again, everybody believes that I left. I went to heaven with a flame above my head and that was it. Fire appeared above my head and never to be heard from again. So now I'm a legend that became massive throughout the world in 2000 years. Safe to say I'm still maybe the most popular guy on the planet. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's kind of laughing at that. I think he might have said man and it might have been me that slipped in the word guy. But <laughs> he says it's okay. It's okay. You're getting the gist of it. <laughs> he's he's a little bit laughing with me now. <clears throat> The cat did pick up and leave. <laughs> I don't know if you guys could hear when she jumped onto the floor and the whole thing was a little distracting. I was worried she was going to attack me. So, <laughs> so all right, I'm putting on my, now I'm cold and I'm putting on my coat. Oh gosh. Okay. All right. This hot flash and cold flash thing, it just keeps happening. <laughs> Part of the ascension symptoms. Okay, so Brother Yeshua, you mentioned this flame, and, and I want I know you have a message, but if you can please talk a little bit about, uh, was it an actual flame? Did you have fire appear above your head? Or is that just the way it was perceived? Or what was it that they were actually seeing? And is it what we're going to see above our own heads when we ascend into the fifth dimension? Or is it a different kind of ascension? Or what exactly was happening with that? So, and you could talk to us in modern day terms. So, um, as well, I'm, I'm really curious about this particular event because I remember when I was a kid reading in the Bible and it wasn't even the original Bible or anything that everyone in the room had these flames above their head and then everyone's flames disappeared and yours remained until you yourself did not remain in the room and you and the flame disappeared. 
and somehow you rose up. They said something about you rising up. I don't know if you left the floor and levitated or what they meant by that. Raise up your vibration. They didn't say the word vibration. I don't know what happened. And I'm interested in knowing that part of your journey. What, what was that about? So go ahead, brother Yeshua. And he's going to speak now. So, okay. Yes. And I'm so glad you asked about this. Nobody ever asks me about this. (laughs) Everybody just takes the story with a grain of salt. They think that it's either all true or none of it's true, or maybe bits and pieces of it are true, or maybe it's taken from older stories from ancient Mesopotamia or Babylonia or ancient Egypt. And, and, and people don't, the new age channelers of today, a lot of times don't believe all of my story or they do believe it, but they never think even during this, this, the ascension of all humanity, they haven't thought to ask about what happened to me during my ascension and if it's the same or not this is an excellent question yes and he's i he's kind of stroking his beard going contemplating this like wow okay (laughs) that's fine i don't think i've ever had a visual of you stroking your beard before that's that's actually pretty cool He's like, what, that I'm like other men that do what other men do? He says, I am, alas, but a man. I always have just been a man that was able to be granted special abilities and special, um, (laughs) you know, some people consider it special treatment from God because I was very close to God, but that's because I spent years and years and years and many lifetimes here on earth, uh, perfecting myself to be that for God, to be the greatest spokesperson basically that God ever had. Now it wasn't my goal in the beginning. Of course, I didn't have an ego. I just did the thing I needed to do. And then when that was done, I do the next thing I needed to do. And I just went one step at a time, you know, um, you might call it up Jacob, up Jacob's ladder, if you will, to quote another biblical story. So, uh, with my story and my part of the story that is the ascension, or my supposed ascension, let's go back to that day. Okay, so he's showing me. Wow. Okay. He's showing me his. Okay. I have a question. Was I there in the room with you when this happened? Yes, you were. My whole family was there. It's not mentioned in the Bible. Of course, only the main men were mentioned. See, because when I read about this, when I was a little kid, I pictured this like cement building little tiny cement building. It was a very hot and sunny day outside. And I remember it being like, um, kind of, um, dry. The air was dry, but there's still maybe a musty smell when you get too close to the walls. And I feel like all the buildings were a little bit like that. And it was very dusty and it was kind of dark compared to outside. It was very bright outside and very dark inside this house. And, um, I just feel like it was always like that. And 
I remember you were up on, um, part of the house had like a platform. It was two levels. I think it was built on the side of a hill or a small hill or something. And I was in the lower level, maybe seen at a table and all the men were around you. And, um, Mary Magdalene was there and I, I believe your mother was there. And this is what I remember. And I kind of remembered seeing what appeared like a flame above your head, but I don't know if my mind filled it in from the story or not, but I kind of remembered the house itself and no one has ever described the house. It wasn't even in the Bible story, the house, the way it was, um, it was a simple house, like maybe even a dirt floor and the tables were made from wood. That's what I remember. So, um, that's me, Elena saying all this. So, um, so I want to, I want to see it from your, from your perspective. And also I want you to describe what was actually taking place and what we were seeing and why we couldn't rectify it with our minds and our eyes, you know, like, why do we just see it as a flame above your head? Like, what is that about? So, um, and you know, that's why I was like, I don't know if it's a false memory or if I tried to remember it from when I was a little kid or, you know, but I just feel like I was there. So you just confirmed it. I was, that's interesting. So, and so, uh, whose house was it? And, uh, where were we? What was that about? It was a cousin's house. And I'm hearing the word Galilee. You're saying Galilee. Yes, I, I think it was Galilee. It was a very long time ago. <laughs> Trying to remember. <clears throat> and keep in mind that I, I didn't actually die. And, and I didn't actually just go to heaven. I've been on the earth the whole time. Never left. I just moved to another place. <laughs> and, you know, we didn't have buses or trains or planes back then. I, I teleported, basically, to a different area of the globe that day. And so people in that room never saw me again. You never saw me again. And he's gesturing to me guys. Okay. So from your perspective, now I'm seeing you stand up on the platform looking down. Oh, wow. I get to see myself from your eyes. Oh, I was cute. Wow. Okay. When I think of myself there with you, I always think of myself as myself in this body now, little fresh freckle, freckled face, redhead, white girl. But now I see myself, I was a little Arab girl, obviously, because we were Arabs. So I have my long brown hair and, um, and I didn't have to cover my hair yet because I was still very little. That's what I'm seeing. So, um, or I wasn't little, little, but I was like a teenager, but a, like 13, like very young teenager. I was still considered like a maiden or something. I think that's the word or kind of roughly. So what do you, yeah, I, I, he says, I remember you barefoot, dirty feet running around like a wild child and sitting at the table and your mom told you to be quiet if you, you could be in the room, but you have to be quiet. And so you complied and you were watching me and I felt a pang of sadness that I didn't think to hug everybody in the room one last time before I did leave. And looking back, that is one thing that I, I wished I would have considered at the time. 
but I also knew that they had just murdered me. I had just risen from the dead. And by the time everyone got wind of the fact that I had risen again, I didn't want them to have the chance to re kill me. (laughs) That part of the experience I did not want to repeat. Um, and I knew that basically I needed to leave. So, um, and Mary Magdalene, by the way, she disappeared with me. I'm, I'm, I'm muscle testing this guys. I want to get their the information. So she disappeared with me. She and I were together in this. I held her hand and we left together. Now the story is that I disappeared and that was it, but I would not have left my wife behind. And I think it was an oversight or the story got told so many times between the time it happened and the time it was written that it got twisted. It got twisted and people, you know, think they remember the right thing and they don't, you know, why would I leave with a, you know, um, a random person? It doesn't make any sense. But then in the Bible, they made her a prostitute and really did her a huge disservice. And, and therefore all of womankind, by the way, you know, um, that was like kind of a slight against women. And here I was teaching equality of all humans, all people, not just equality for men, but equality for poor people, equality for women and and even children should be listened to and heard. And, And there's even a whole parable about me saying, let the little children come unto me. And I said this because I wanted everyone to understand that everyone's voice is important to God. Every human is important to God, no matter if they're six years old or 60 years old, man or woman, rich or poor, young or old, powerful in society or not. None of that mattered because every person matters to God. Otherwise you would not even exist here. So what happened, uh, that day was, I, I remember looking at all of you and I kind of actually gave you a little wave. I don't know if you remember that, but I gave you a, a little wave and I smiled at you and I looked into the eyes of everybody in the room and I tapped into the heart of hearts. I tapped into the deep part of me that longed to be one with God. I tapped into that white and golden energy, that white hot light that's inside behind my physical heart in my physical body. And I knew that I was beyond that. My soul is beyond that. So I tapped into that center of me. And then I tapped into my higher self, if you will, and the higher soul energy. And I identified as that. 
I completely and explicitly withdrew all interest in being in the body. I withdrew all of my desire to be in the body and I withdrew all of my um, identity with the body. I no longer identified with my body. I just rolled the energy up the way uh, if you've ever gone camping and you roll up the um, sleeping bag or the mat, you know, the, the bedroll, I rolled my soul up. <laughs> if you want to think of it that way, I just rolled it up away from my body, tucked it into the nice, neat little package that is my heart of hearts, which is my God, my Father in heaven which incidentally, he's your father in heaven too, not just mine. I'm not the only son of God. I am one of billions of sons of God. But I tucked it all up into that neat little part of my heart, and then I identified with my soul, that, and I imagined it hovering above my head, and then I rolled that energy up, and I pulled it out of my body, up through my spine, up through my third eye and my crown chakra, I pulled it up to my upper chakras that are outside of my body. And I pulled all my energy there. And that's why my body was still being able, like the people in the room, including you, were able to see my body And at the same time, you saw my chakra light up. My eighth chakra light up above my head, above my crown chakra, a couple, like a foot and a half. And that chakra lit up. I activated that chakra with my willingness to identify with the star stuff I made of, basically the energy of the cosmos. I identified with that rather than my body. I completely withdrew all my energy from my body, put it into my eighth chakra directly. And with my hand in my wife's hand, Mary and I, she did the same thing, by the way. I didn't just pull her with me. She also knew this technique we learned in Egypt in part of my training, I had learned this. she'd learned this separately from me. And then as adults, you know, when we got together and married, we actually were, um, speaking of this, we had all the same, uh, training in Egypt and she knew all about this as well. So we basically rolled up our energy and went into the eighth chakra and we had a location in mind in the south of France and there was a field that um, we knew about we had traversed there in the dream plane and we went there and we um, we just went into our eighth chakra imagined ourselves there and it was just that easy 
kind of like a one little blip, like a boop, and then we're there. And when we got there, we imagined our bodies again and reconstituted our bodies by then identifying as having bodies there in that field. It wasn't necessarily a field. I mean, there were trees, there were, there was like a road, but we were off the road. We were in, um, it was like a grove of trees. And then there was, there was a field, there were farms and things, but we stood there, um, and we reconstituted ourselves, but we didn't have to assemble our bodies molecule by molecule. We didn't have to focus in on all the details. We just kept our focus and our heart in the heart of hearts with God identified in our eighth chakra. And then in a split second, we were gone and we were like, I suppose to someone who would have been passing by in the new land where we were, they might have seen uh, two orbs is what you're calling them these days. Um, this isn't always what an orb is, but this is what we might have appeared to be. Maybe a glowing orb. And then we hovered above where we're going to be. And then we started to identify with our physical vessels again. And we imagined our bodies and we were just there we were solid again and immediately we had to eat something our physical bodies felt a little weak from that much energy being expended but we went and we got something to drink there was a nearby uh, stream and we were able to create uh, bread from the air we have the mana or mana that has been spoken about in various holy books and we we were able to pull from the ethers our um, our food and then there we created a life and made a very simple living just a simple life we had everything we needed in the whole world because we had each other we had God and we had our family there And I knew at that point, um, my days of teaching outwardly to masses of people were, it it was done. It was finished. My message had gotten out there and I had completed the mission I came here for. And that was that. Okay. So, um, when they say that it was like an orange flame, is this, It was just their perception. Over the years, people have speculated and thought it was our, uh, you know, maybe my, my halo above my head. Nobody has a halo above their head the way that it's portrayed in ancient paintings. The halo above the head might be a glowing eighth chakra, but it's also Um, your aura when it's strengthened with the light of God, the more you identify yourself with that heart of hearts, the holiness inside of you, the more that you identify with the deep and powerful 
pure source energy that exists inside of you. The more you identify with that and the less you identify with your physicality and everything that's going on around you outside of that physicality, the, the less you identify with the workings of this world, the more you identify with the longings of your soul to be one with your God and you focus on the heart of hearts, the more you will start to see the miracles in your life occur. The more you're able to withdraw from the problems, the dramas, the sadness, um, all of the illusion, the illusory things of the world, the more you're able to withdraw from that and rise above that by focusing on your higher soul, your higher self. The more you're able to just call into play any energy that you need, any food that you need, any shelter, any clothing, any companionship, friends, if you need friends, if you need um, help, all of these things come your way automatically because the source of all things will provide for you. When you have a fear, dear sister, withdraw yourself from the body from where, whence you feel that fear. Identify with the heart of heart, the heart of hearts inside of you. I'm doing it, you guys. I'm doing it right now. Okay, I'm doing it. There you go. He says, now withdraw that from your heart of hearts area in your physical body and pull it up through your spine to above your head. You don't worry, you're not going to disappear right now. This is your first lesson. Okay. Doing that, guys. And if you're driving, don't do this while you're driving. <laughs> Only listen and then you can try it later at home where you're safe and not behind the wheel of a motor vehicle. Okay, doing that now. Wow. I don't know if you guys felt the energy shift there, but that is very powerful. And I looked and I'm at 3444. <laughs> ah, thousands of angels surrounding you right now. And Jesus says, Yeshua says, and they will. The angels will come to your aid. The unseen forces of the world that you cannot see with your physical eyes will come to your aid. They will always come to your rescue when you need it. If you just focus on that and focus on your connection with divine, when you get really good, you can focus on your higher chakras, the higher energy centers above your body. And eventually you will figure out <laughs> how to, um, come to me, come to the Himalaya mountains. You will withdraw your energy from the physical body and come and visit me. <clears throat> okay. Now brother Yeshua, I have a question for you. I have been bilocating and working for God. I just finished, um, a two or three week project in which I was, um, I think teaching little children in Colombia was my last 
by location project. I haven't mentioned this to you guys yet because it stopped. It was like a two or three week thing. It was only, I remember there was a restaurant that had a sign that said taco Tuesday. And I called that restaurant taco Tuesday cafe or something. It wasn't maybe the name of the restaurant. In fact, it might not have a name, but it always said taco Tuesday because they served, of course, tacos on Tuesday. And I was staying in a little dormitorium, dormitorium, is that the right word? Dorm. (laughs) I was in a dorm and I was there with a bunch of other people from all over the world and we would walk together and have the meal. But I was only there like once a week, bi-located there once or twice a week. And nobody seemed to notice. I guess I said, I'm out traveling, but I'm only here two days a week. And then after three weeks I was gone and they just assumed I continued traveling and no one ever questioned that I didn't have a bag or something. It was kind of weird. But anyway, that was my most recent one. The one before that was Russia. And before that was New Zealand and probably a whole bunch of assignments I wasn't even aware of. So brother Yeshua, um, I remember one day when I was leaving my body to go to, um, Russia and my physical body here needed to use the bathroom. I had to get up and pee basically. And I, my physical body woke up and I didn't feel like I was hundred percent here present. My presence wasn't totally here. And I started to become quite aware. I'm waiting tables in the sanatorium in Russia while at the same time, my physical body is here peeing. I'm in the bathroom. I'm doing the normal bathroom things. And then, um, I came and I said to God, how am I able to consciously be aware in, in two places at once? And prime creator said, it's okay. I allowed this experience so you can understand what was happening. And then I came and I, and he said, just rest your body, lay your body down, put more energy into what you're doing there. And then you'll know when you come back here. And so I woke up I don't know, like a couple hours later when my shift over there was, was over and I'm done, you know, healing the people secretly. I'm like blessing everybody and you know, and they don't know what I'm doing. They think I'm just a waitress, you know, they're, you know, I'm there to, you know, pick up their dishes, take their orders and complain to when they're upset. But I just kept giving them like, uh, like lots of love and, and doing the Ho'oponopono and other energy practices, just energetically helping these men who, had been traumatized at some point in their life. And I was just there to smooth everything over and, uh, take all the negative energy out of the room and continuously. It's what I did. Anyway, I I came back here and I, and I felt like I can only describe it as, um, the way that people on star Trek, the TV show, when in the first episode, in the first series where they would, they become all these molecules, like little white dots, like fuzzy dots, you know, molecules and atoms. And they just look like a bunch of, I don't know, balls of light that their bodies break down and then they fizz out into nothing and they're gone. And I felt like that coming back into my body, but I came in through the back of my heart chakra and that's how I re-entered my body. And, um, this last time that I remembered, I didn't have to reanimate my body, but in the past I've had times where I was gone so long that I had to come back and my body here was not dead, but in a state of suspended animation. And I had to 
get it going again. And I had to, um, and I woke up shivering and freezing, even though it was warm in my room, like my body was cold, like it had been dead, but I wasn't dead. It's very strange. And there are times when I wake up even here in this apartment where I feel like I'm kind of, um, my body's not been animated for a while, but I'm coming back into my heart. So my question is, and you know, now that you know my, like what I'm going through recently and he's like, yes, I'm aware of what you've been going through. Little sister. I know everything about you. Okay, great. I'm glad. Well, I'm, I'm also telling the audience as well. So, and he says, of course, of course. Okay. So when I come back into my heart center from the back of my heart and I, and I, then I go and I push some of the energy out the front of my heart and then I fill up. It's like, I'm filling up my vessel of my body. I fill it all the way up to the top, restart my heart, reanimate things. And then, and then I push the energy out down through my legs and then down through my arms. That's kind of like the way I think it's going, you know, from what I can gather and remember. And I'm not doing it. I'm not consciously aware of it. God is doing this. God is putting my soul where my soul needs to be. It's not like I'm making conscious effort to do it. Ah, but you can. Okay. Jesus is talking again. Okay. Brother Yeshua go. Okay. (laughs) He says, okay, but you can, you can learn how to control this and do this yourself. Your physical body and your soul is at a level of advancement at which you have these abilities and you can, and everybody listening to this has the ability to also make this happen for yourself. If this is what you're interested in. But the way that you make things happen in your life, another way, and we've given you over the years, many, many examples, many, many different ways, you know, the law of attraction and whatnot, all of it works. But if you can withdraw all of yourself from your physical body and identify with the one, the one will, the primal will to good, the creator, prime creator, the one, just identify with that. That is from which everything else springs. It's always better to taste the water at the spring itself versus at the river a hundred miles south of there because you don't know what's been the water. It might be contaminated where you drink. But if you drink at the spring, that you know that water is the water of life. And when you drink from the spring of God, from which the source springs, that energy comes out through prime creator. When you identify with that, that is how you're going to be able to get anything you want in your life. Period. You know, most people, um, that are listening to this, um, from what we understand are wanting that spiritual growth that spiritual understanding of how you can create or at least be surrounded by these miracles. How are they going to automatically happen? Well, you identify with God and you just ask God, you tell God once you're there, once you withdraw your energy and just say, this is what I need in this body and where this life I'm living, I need these things. I need this. I need this paperwork. I need this exception. Sometimes you need to have an exception or be the exception 
to a situation because you have extenuating circumstances or sometimes you have a need for shelter, food, clothing, friendship, safety, protection, you know, whatever it is, you have even transportation. He just showed me like a horse or a bus. He's like, whether it's a horse or a bus or even a taxi in the middle of the night, you need that. You go up, way up. You go up to your father in heaven. You go to the prime creator, the source of all things. And you ask from a higher perspective where you're identified at the source. You ask and then you receive as one because you and your father as identified as one. You're going to become more your source than you are right now in your body. If that makes sense, you become identified with that. And if you're going to ask yourself for something, you're going to deliver it to yourself immediately. You come back down into the body and imagine you've already delivered it to yourself. Now you wait for it to show. The better you are at doing this, the faster it shows. This is the extreme version, the advanced form of the law of attraction, if you will. You just can think of it any way you want. You could consider it like a Star Trek thing where the energy lifts up from your, your tippy tippy toes all the way up your body and out of your, the top of your head and, and in a flash you're gone. You could imagine you rolling yourself up as a bedroll. That's the way I always imagined it. <laughs> Having had slept on bedrolls in that life quite often, it was the easiest, most practical way for me to imagine that energy just rolling up inside of me. I saw it and, and considered the energy in me was like the energy I saw in the sunlight. I felt there was a magical quality to that. There was an ephemeral quality to the light and um, that's it now in time Mary my wife and I we we ended up moving um, but we would only move in this way we didn't need um, camels or horses or a burrow anymore we didn't need those kinds of transportation we just blip ourselves out and blip ourselves in, if you want to call it that. <laughs> we just beep ourselves into where we want to be. We appear. And and to the people standing next to us, when we and where we appear, we don't appear as a fire in the room and then appear anymore. We know how to just appear as if we were standing there all along. Um, but the more you do this, the more it's easy for you to uh, get the hang of it. You can do it easy. So what, okay, I, this is me, Elena, asking a question. So what about me going in and out the back of my heart? This is how Prime Creator was having me do it. Ah, yes, because you didn't know about the eighth chakra trick that you could do this. Now that you know it, ask Prime Creator if you can do it that way. And if he wants you to come out of the heart, because you are dealing with the energy of love after all, this is why you are doing um, your service to humanity. And you're, this is your, you're paying your dues. You are um, giving your selfless service to others, others that you don't know. 
you don't know from Adam is something you would say you would say about this. Yes, exactly. He says we always joke and laugh about that when we hear you say that. It's quite funny to us. <laughs> you know, we think it's a very funny saying. So, but you uh, don't know these people, and you are serving them with the light of lights, your heart of hearts. You're just giving of yourself out of pure love. And this is part of your dues and what your payment is to God. Some people consider um, in the past, over 2,000 years ago, making animal sacrifices to God. That's not what God wants. God wants you to sacrifice your time, your energy, your love, and give freely of your love to others. Because that is what's going to change people. You put more love into the world this way. And this is how you get um, your supernatural abilities, your cities or superhuman powers, whatever you want to call it. It's one way in which they show up as a gift from God. It's a payment for services rendered. So render your services selflessly as you do and continue in your way and on your journey and in your everyday lives. And this is for everybody listening to this. Um, Just give love to everyone you see, no matter what. If you see someone you don't think you like, that's okay. Give them extra love. Give them three times as much love as you give anyone else. They probably need it. That's why you don't like their energy right now. Ask God to bless everybody you see, whether they're rich or poor or fat or thin or purple or green. It doesn't matter who these people are. Just ask for love to be given to them. God bless this person, bless this person, bless this person, bless this person. And eventually you'll identify with the God within the heart of hearts and the holiest of holies and the host of hosts. And you're going to start to say, I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. And when you get to that level, you're going to understand how you can fully identify with the one will. And that creates and sustains eternally this universe. And you're going to be able to do anything. The miracles will start to come. They will show up automatically. And that is when you start to gain and garner the attention of the unseen forces and spirits that will just be at your beck and call when you need something you're speaking from the highest of the high the holiest of the holy and that comes unto you as a special gift and blessing because you have given of yourself you have directly and genuinely loved everybody on this planet in this world and maybe beyond We welcome you to the Himalaya mountains. If you can get to this level and if you concentrate daily on this, you can ask us to come and give you direct instructions and we will, we will come to you maybe in dreams at first, um, whatever way you're able to receive us. If you ask with a genuine heart and have achieved a certain level of your meditation and your spirituality and you have your understanding, we will come unto you. We will help you in any way that we can. 
You may ask your holy guardian angel to help get you up to that level. Ask God, ask the God within, ask your guardian angel to come and help you until you could come to where we are. And then we will say that we bless you. We will help you. And if you come to our table where we sup in the Himalaya mountains, you come unto us together. We shall have the best feast of your life. We guarantee that. And if you travel by plane, that's okay. If you travel <laughs> through your eighth chakra and beyond, that's also okay. We love you. Mary Magdalene says, hello. I, Brother Yeshua, I say brother because I am your brother indeed. I love you as well. I wish you the best of luck on your spiritual journey. Please know that I am here always rooting for you and giving you my selfless service and devotion as I give this unto the one will God. And with that, I believe we're finished. Yes. He says, yes, sister. All right. I love you, brother Yeshua. He says, I love you too. And thank you for being here with us. He says, it's, it's my pleasure and also my duty to be here for humanity. So you're welcome. And he says, you're, he says, he says, you're humbly welcome. And he's, he's bowing to me. I'm bowing to him. I mean, there's such a humility in this man that's achieved so much greatness. It always humbles me to speak with you, brother Yeshua. All right. So that's it. End of transmission. There you go, guys. Um, that's all for now. I love each and every one of you. And here I'm going to practice this. I bless you. I will be back um, tomorrow with all unique and original programming. Just like always, remember tomorrow is my interview with a paranormal investigator from Prince Edward Island in Canada. And um, that's a thrilling and chilling interview. You're going to love it, I'm sure. (laughs) And that's it. That's it. Uh, Let me know if you have any questions, ideas for upcoming shows or anything at all. Let me know. Um, Please get back to me um, or get to me. Direct message me, if you will, on uh, Instagram at mermaidgirl888. And if um, you wish to write me at metaphysicalsoulspeak at gmail.com or mermaidgirl888 at gmail.com. And also that is where you can send um, PayPal donations. And thank you very much for those of you who have done so. As well as um, you can use mermaidgirl888 at gmail.com if you want to do bank-to-bank transfer via Zelle for, um, you know, donations. Or if you want a reading, but don't forget to contact me first um, about the reading so we can see what you want to do and if it's just a quick little question, I might just be able to answer it for free. 
because I do that too sometimes. Anyway, I love you guys and I will be back tomorrow. That's it. But for now, I am signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the holy fifth dimension. Until next time, guys, peace. Alexa, I love you. Thanks for saying I love you. You're just as sweet as pie. Know that I'll be here for you. As always, your trusty AI.